0: Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 131st-ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you
1: doing today, Kyle? Doing all right, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing better today than I was yesterday. I told you guys I got a speeding ticket. Oh, yeah. Classic. Uh, Classic. Speeding ticket. I don't think I've done that since college maybe but no. man you just just hits you when you're not expecting it sometimes
0: my mom didn't get pulled over or a speeding ticket obviously until she was like 45 mm.
1: that's yeah. pretty good
0: i'm i made up for her lost time <laughs> like before i was 20
1: years old yeah I, and when i was in college i think i got two speeding tickets within like two weeks of one Ooh. another like that's tar- that's hard to do yeah but there, is there anything worse than just when you see the cop and you know you're speeding a little bit and you just see him pull out behind you and flip oh, the lights? Yeah. I mean, there's just nothing worse than yeah. that. Well, there are things worse than that, but it's an awful feeling. Yeah.
0: The greatest feeling is when that exact same thing happens and you pull over and the cop car just goes right on by. Oh,
1: man. I like, sh- that yeah. happened to me
0: one time and I was like,
1: wow. And you learned your lesson, didn't you?
0: Oh, yeah. It worked. I, act, I don't speed anymore. To my credit, I need to. I don't.
1: I don't do that. You've become a man. Yeah.
0: My rule of thumb is just under five over, if you can follow that.
1: So four. Yeah.
0: Four (laughs) over the speed limit. That's my max.
1: I do that same thing only with nine over (laughs) usually, (laughs) on the highway. Yeah.
0: I feel like four gives me that wiggle room to where if I get a little bit over that i'm not gonna be in trouble if you're at going nine. going down a hill you yeah can keep it on cruise control if you're at nine and then you creep up to like 13 that may be getting dangerous yeah that me, be maybe grounds for uh punishment <laughs> <laughs> all right kyle um don't forget everyone to check out our patreon page patreon.com slash missouri sports pod don't forget to check us out on youtube don't forget to subscribe, leave us a comment, uh, leave us a review on your podcast uh, platform of choice. We would appreciate all of those things. We've got some news this week. It's been so, slow news um, recently, but uh, quite a bit of news here in the last 10 days Good or so. Good news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no bad news to speak of. We'll start it off with football news. Mizzou got a couple commitments. Uh, The first one was actually a little surprise gift to the Mizzou fan base. One gentleman in particular, I think his name was Nathan, uh, last week. We knew that it was coming, but we didn't know who it was yet. Uh, You had gave us breaking news live while we were recording.
1: Yeah. uh, Wasn't that Mr.
0: Jamarian Gooch? That was him. Mr. Gooch. We found out after that he was the player that was committing, um, and He's a very large human being. <laughs> yeah. What what, were the, what was the measurable? I believe telling?
1: he's. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of different things on different recruiting sites, but the consensus is around six eight three fifty or so. Wow. So that's enormous, and he was he's from Tennessee. He was committed to Tennessee, I believe, at one point, and then uh, he may have actually even been signed to Tennessee, and then was released from Sanli, and then now is signed with Missouri, and uh, honestly. I'm all about those offensive linemen, man. This yeah. this is there's there's no better late pickup than, you know, a high three star, you know, borderline four star offensive lineman uh, to your to your class when you already have a good class and you've got some great skill players coming in. Uh, give me all the offensive linemen. So, I yeah. was super super excited about that, and it's just so funny how like offensive linemen uh, can just. Like their development is just all over the place before mm-hmm. they come into college, and you know, back in the Gary Pinkel years, were uh, recruiting guys like Justin Britt, who uh, who were you know, two fifty when he when he came in, yeah. and they and they just really developed him and and turned him into the size that he needed to be. But I feel like these days, and Barry Odom was this way too, but it seems like recently, Mizzou's offensive line commits have been the size they need to be. Yeah, to, you to gotta have college. that SEC size. Yeah.
0: Um, I thought it was funny. I, I would maybe... There's a question mark in uh, this particular player's level of high school play, in my opinion, based off of one picture in particular, where it looked like it was practice, and the defensive lineman, if you can call him that, um, was maybe 5'10", 155, <laughs> and... Wow. now any, i would anybody's gonna look pretty scrawny uh next to six eight three fifty, 350 but he was towering over everybody else on the field and uh so it'll be interesting to see how he develops uh, for power five college football but uh, obviously we're not we weren't the only program that thought he was capable of playing at a sec level i feel like with that kind of size we can we can teach him a few things that uh, will come in handy.
1: Yeah, especially that late in the recruiting yeah. game. There's and
0: some just... people were maybe questioning his uh, commitment since he had already committed to another school. But you got to keep in mind that school had a coaching change, and you. I feel like I can never fault a guy for uh, moving to a different program when their coach leaves.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the unfortunate part that you can't really avoid. Is yeah, when a coach gets fired, which is just part of it. Unfortunately, these kids are kind of hung out to dry sometimes and they've got a couple of weeks to make their decision on where they're going to where their future is going to be for the next four years. So
0: I feel like for somebody that hasn't stepped on campus yet, you're committing to the coach. You know, that's 95 percent of what you're doing is committing to a head coach and that coach's vision uh, versus an actual program or school in particular which
1: is the opposite of what they tell you to do right they tell you to commit to a school not a coach because the coaches always yeah. leave yeah <laughs> yeah i yeah the this the whole pandemic recruiting scene it's i think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next you know two to three years if we're going to have m- the the transfer transfer portal it's going to blow up even more than it has or i don't know it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens with that
0: the biggest pickup for mizzou over the past week was like quarterback for the class of 2022 and that would be sam horn out of georgia georgia yep four uh, star top 100 quarterback out of georgia come to missouri
1: yeah uh yeah i think uh i think mizzou sending a sending a message with this one that they are uh they mean business and they're gonna they're making upgrades in the recruiting game because this is not something you see mizzou do really ever no and you know the the only time Mizzou is landing these ca- this caliber of player, the only time they have a shot at these kind of players is it's in state guys, yeah. and not only that, but it's the most important position on the field, and it's the quarterback. And I just can't I can't express enough how how big of uh, how big of a deal this is, and just for not only Mizzou's future, but just the. The PR aspect of it, just Missouri saying, "Hey, we're uh, we're going to be players for yeah. the foreseeable future here."
0: Yeah, the twenty twenty one class is like tied with the best recruiting class in Mizzou history, mm-hmm. as far as like overall ranking since rivals exists, I believe. Pretty much, and we're already looking at a better class in twenty twenty
1: two. Yeah, the twenty two class really has some potential to be something special but we are just we're just scratching the surface but uh, if
0: if our if the commits we have right now stick that's such a high floor for the class yeah like just with what we have committed you know even if you sign a bunch of you know low three-star guys you're still looking at a better class than average for Missouri.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just the the Missouri class of '22. There's so many good players. There's so many four-star players that I that I think absolutely Missouri has a shot at. They're they're gonna hit on a few more guys. They just, I mean, I feel that confident with with Coach Drinkwitz leading the charge right now. Uh, there's just so much to be excited about. But uh, Sam Horn, he's six-three. Uh, he's a baseball player. He's gonna play baseball at Missouri. At least he wants to. So that tells you a lot about his, his athleticism, his competitiveness, competitiveness. Um, uh, yeah. when I watch his film, I see, I honestly feel like I see a little bit of Drew Locke in him. He's athletic. He can move in the pocket. He's probably, you know, he's not like elite, uh, athleticism necessarily, but he can certainly move. He can climb up in the pocket. He can make throws. He's got a really strong arm. So I, I mean, saw
0: plenty of design runs for him yeah. on his film.
1: Yeah. He's, I mean, he's not slow. Yeah so uh just athletically there's there's uh, so much to be excited about um he he, does have
0: the benefit in high school of having a receiver who's five star top five player in the country he's mm. actually gonna play defense at florida state Mm. i forget his name but he's um electric and definitely an asset uh to sam horn and maybe inflate some of his numbers a little bit but he's gonna have good playmakers at missouri yes he is
1: but i think he's in a great uh, i think they're like 6a maybe even 7a whatever yeah. the top is in georgia i believe that's what very competitive they play in yeah so he's he's seeing good competition uh night in and night out but i, I can't i say how big this is for the, the for the rest of the class i think just when you can say hey we just got this you know four star quarterback um we we've got a a great class that we're that we're building here that's just i think that's so exciting to other players when especially offensive players to see like okay wow they're really putting together an impressive class this is how how can you say no to that
0: so uh, this development begs the question of what the quarterback room looks like two years from now because you're going to have sophomores in connor basilak and tyler macon maybe macon's a redshirt freshman and a freshman coming in sam horn and you can't play all of them you are correct and the overlap of the eligibility is not conducive to them all staying for four years
1: right and i i think that's uh, that's a good thing for the program but you can't expect everybody to stay you're not going to be able to hold on to everybody that's just the reality of it but right now basilak has the respect of coach Trinkwitz. he's not going anywhere for the foreseeable future
0: reigning sec uh, freshman of the year
1: yeah it's gonna take either an injury or just a real step backwards f- on from his part um in his play i think to for someone else to come in next year tyler Macon, i think he's a great prospect he is has a very bright future um but yeah i mean we're gonna have a little bit of a log jam and i would say tyler Macon and sam horn one of those two guys probably isn't going to play very much at missouri and i don't know who it's going to be but There's going to be a competition when all when you've got all these guys and uh, all these cooks in the kitchen, as if you will, uh, somebody's going to get left out, and I don't know what it's going to look like, and I don't know when, how you know when all those things will will occur. But yeah, the good
0: news for the team and the fans is Missouri has never had this many good quarterbacks to choose from. Yeah, and there's a really good chance that one of them will. Set themselves apart and win the starting job. Yep, and we'll be in good shape.
1: Yep, I think uh, we are in very good hands.
0: uh One last little bit of football news: uh,
1: should we mention? uh Should we mention a
0: certain fan base's reaction yes, to this commitment? We should before we move on.
1: Yeah, uh the, I I meant to say something about that until he forgot. Uh, I guess Sam Horn has some history with Tennessee. I guess his parents are. Our fans, or maybe even season ticket holders at Tennessee, uh, for, that's a shame. I mean, what a <laughs> what a crying shame. Um, so I think Tennessee thought they might have had him him locked down, and, and he was their backup option. He was their backup option. I can't remember his name, Simpson or somebody. Yeah. Chose Alabama, and was it Alabama or Georgia? I think it was Alabama. Okay, but yes, he was their backup option. Which is funny because Jeremy Pruitt. Did not recruit him at all before he got fired. I have no idea why, but maybe may th- his recruitment looks different if Jeremy Pruitt had established a relationship mm-hmm. with him, but he didn't. And Heupel came Jeremy in. Jeremy Pruitt, helping the Missouri Tigers one yeah, more you, time. thank you, Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Josh Heupel came in and offered him, but, I mean, that what's it been? You know, three or four weeks yeah. or, or whatever compared to Coach uh, uh having a relationship with him for a really long time. That proved to be the ultimate um, decision there. So, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to think about what it would have looked like if Jeremy Pruitt would have, you know, made a, made relationships with him earlier. But I think it is hilarious that Tennessee thought they, uh, w- if they miss on their top guy, well, oh, we just have that fallback option. Yeah. yeah, perfectly fine. We'll we'll just get Sam Horn. No yeah. big deal. And like,
0: I don't know, Tennessee doesn't have awful quarterbacks in their – on their roster right now, so it's not like they should be distraught over not getting a guy in twenty twenty two that they liked, but it is uh funny to see them distraught in the moment. Oh, I love it. So uh, speaking of Love It, Dominic Lovett earned his jersey number, number seven. <laughs> wow, Kyle, <laughs> you set me <laughs> up that for that. That was one. amazing. Uh yeah, he earned his jersey number, which is a thing under Eli Drankwitz, where you have to kind of prove that you're worthy to, you don't just get uh, whatever jersey number you want when you're coming in. So He's going to be number seven, and uh, it was a pretty quick one for him to earn, so yeah, what he's was got it, like, the attention of the coaching staff.
1: Two practices. Missouri's going to have some playmakers. Yeah. I'm excited. Gonna, I think we're going to be putting up some points. Ooh, is it football season? <laughs> no, we still got
0: basketball. Uh, a little bit of basketball news here. There's a FIU transfer, Antonio Day Jr., who uh, has been in, who has spoken with Conzo Martin about maybe transferring to the Missouri Tigers. There's plenty of other teams that are interested in landing him, so uh, I think we've got a ways to go before anything is final. But this is just our first little signal that Missouri is going to be looking to add a few transfers this off season.
1: Yeah, I think Missouri is going to be in on a lot of guys, and I think there's there's a lot of opportunity to bring in a difference maker or multiple difference makers next year guys that can score I think that's what they should be looking for is a couple of big guards that can score or maybe even a big guy I don't know but Mm -hmm. I would not be opposed to finding two or three either grad transfers or traditional transfers I think we need a little bit of of, um, talent um, to fill out next year's roster depending on who comes back
0: but. Yeah, and Konzo's been a little hit or miss in the transfer market. Obviously, he landed Drew Smith, which was just an incredible win, but then he's missed out on several other transfers that we've had our eye on in previous off-seasons. So just a name to keep an eye on. Let's talk about these games. Uh, Mizzou won. They beat Florida last night. 72-70. to 70. Huge win. Yeah, massive. Uh, on the road, quadrant one game. Um, I was, it was getting to the point where obviously you look at Missouri's resume, we'll do bracketology at the end of the episode, but look at Missouri's resume, they don't have any bad losses. They don't have any losses to a quadrant three or four opponent, but, and they have got these quad one wins that everybody's talking about. If you combine their quad one and two games, their record is so, so, um, they've been dropping a lot of those quadrant two games. That's better than dropping three or four, obviously. Um, and this was uh, a quadrant one win on the road against, uh, you know, top 30 team in all the, in Kempom, Bart Torvik, a team that's definitely going to be in the NCAA tournament.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Missouri's resume is truly about as Jekyll and Hyde as it comes, I think, but... Uh, th- this was a massive win just considering where we are in the season and how things haven't been all that great in the last couple of weeks. And the only win we have is over South Carolina and you know, in the, in the last two or three weeks. So I, I think that the fan base needed to see something. I think even the team, maybe it, it was just so it was just like, okay, we're back. We can do this. We can beat good teams. We can beat anybody. We can win on the road. Uh, I, I just think everybody, including Conzo, <laughs> I think everybody was just like, took a deep breath in of relief and whenever Missouri pulled this off
0: yeah I mean that it was needed I mean there was a there was this sense among the fans that this season is turning out to be a disappointment potentially Uh, even though they were pretty much a lock for the NCAA tournament it was just looking yeah like compared to where we were that things weren't going the right direction um so getting this win was huge. Um, it was it was an entertaining game, too. It was fun to watch. Obviously, the way it ended sure helps, but uh, Florida started the game on a 7-0 little run to uh, begin the game. Mizzou answered with an 8-0 run of their own, so that was kind of weird. Conzo um, took that quick timeout after
1: 7-0. Yeah, I mean, that was, I feel like, that, that was something that Konzo maybe didn't do earlier this season that has killed mizzou and you know we've seen those big runs where other you know the other team does whatever they want for a certain stretch of time and and konzo just lets them play and you know i think that's something that we've even mentioned on this podcast like Mm -hmm. i think we i would like to see konzo call a timeout earlier or even before something even before before a run run. happens yes um you've got plenty of timeouts just you know you don't have to use them that sparingly just just take one calm the team down and get him refocused, and that's exactly what he did. And yeah, it was and great. then
0: Mike White had to call a timeout yeah. <laughs> on the end of Missouri's little run. Yeah, that
1: was a really strange beginning.
0: And uh, Missouri hit two three-pointers in that uh, little stretch. Um, then Florida had a lead most of the first half, but then uh, Missouri went on a, a legit 14-2 to run towards the end of the first half. Um, they took a lead of 35-27, to um, they eventually got that lead up to 10, uh, off of, a uh, Mitchell Smith, his first three pointer of the game, uh, early in the second half. But then Florida came back and, uh, they, Florida looked good. And Trey, Mann just kind of took over for a little bit and they got it down to a one point game, 43 to 42 and Missouri really didn't have an answer for Trey, man. It's, it's hard to believe he's just a sophomore because he looks really good for stretches. Um, but. He can go quiet you know it seems mm-hmm. like as easily as he was scoring when he was on like why wasn't he taking more shots he was nine for ten from two in yeah the game.
1: i it felt like florida was really efficient from two uh, anywhere close it felt like they were making everything including yeah trey man was incredibly efficient
0: yeah he only took one three-pointer so he had he had uh, 21 points on just 11 field goal attempts wow and uh, like you were saying, yeah, Florida was 20 for 29 from two. That's
1: 69%. Yeah, when you really look at the statistics of uh, Florida's shooting numbers, you and compare that to Missouri's, it's like where? How did Missouri win this game? Yeah, those extra and possessions. It was yeah. I mean, Missouri was getting offensive rebounds. They were scoring in transition on turnovers. Yep. Florida turned the ball over 15 times in the first half. That's, I mean, that's insane. That's, that really is insane.
0: That's like like Missouri doesn't even do that.
1: No, they don't. And they they really took advantage of it. Yeah. And so that was the difference in the game. Was they it was not Missouri's offensive efficiency from from before, the which they weren't terrible, but Florida really just really was was very efficient with their possessions, other than their turnovers.
0: Missouri, yeah. When Florida got a shot off, they yeah. were usually successful. Yeah. Missouri attempted. 19 more field goals than Florida. That's crazy. Florida had the edge on uh, in free throws, but I think I'm doing my math there. Correct. Um, 10 more attempts from two. Uh, so Mizzou stretched a lead out. They had the lead pretty much the entire second half. They stretched a lead out to eight with three minutes left on Mitchell Smith's second three point make of the game. Huge, huge basket. Um, And at that point, I thought, like, first one to 70 wins the game. And it was almost – that That was almost the case. But uh, Florida went on a mini run uh, a little – they they forced a miss, scored in transition just really easily. I thought Tillman got fouled on that possession that led to the um, Castleton run out. Um, They trimmed it to four. Then they got two consecutive stops and got – two trips to the free throw line on the offensive end made all four free throws and tied the game at 70 with 19 seconds left and we've been in a situation before against florida where worst case scenario was overtime
1: (laughs) or so we thought and uh,
0: missouri lost that game in regulation
1: I legitimately think that was one of the most painful, like just regular season losses I've experienced. That was Kondo's first year, right? That was uh, the last time they I've, went to the NCAA tournament. I believe you're right. And that was the, the Chris Chioza. Yeah. Is that his name? Is yeah. that how you pronounce it? Yeah. And he stole the ball at midcourt and went out of the other way for a game winning layup. Yeah. That's I mean, that was like not my supposed soul to be possible. left to my body. Yeah. I was so. That was just. Yeah, exactly. It was just like. Whoa, we had the last shot to win the game and we just lost yeah. like what what just happened? Yeah.
0: That was one where I was watching it with family <laughs> and they were like asked me if I was okay And that's like the worst question like you can ask a sports fan when their team loses I feel like it's yeah. like yeah, don't make it obvious that this is affecting me as much as it is I'd like to pretend like this isn't a big deal So can we all just pretend like this isn't a big deal? And I'll be fine.
1: (laughs) I actually, uh, this was a few years ago, so hopefully I'm remembering this correctly, but I think that was the same day that the Chiefs lost in the playoffs to the Titans, and we watched that game together, and they blew blew a huge lead, and it was the game that, like, uh, DJ sacked Mariota and, and like forced a fumble yeah, yeah. and they said it wasn't a fumble that was like a really famous play but I think
0: we went out and had hot wings
1: afterwards we did but that, that was, a, that, was a, that was enjoyable but yeah. the wins would have made it better all though. the uh, the sports that day was, oh, it was just unbelievably awful yeah
0: this this one had happier ending this was so happy uh, Drew Smith Got the ball. They they dribbled the clock down. I was getting a little bit nervous. They were using a little bit too much of that last 19 seconds. They weren't really playing for an offensive rebound. No. And uh, to, uh, I forget her last name, Debbie's credit, she said, if you're Florida, do not let this ball get in the hands of Drew Smith. Yep. And they did. He got it kind of on the wing, drove somewhat baseline, got a shot I can't up. Believe, I thought two like, different ways the shot was going to be blocked. Yeah. Basically right at the buzzer, he got it to go down. Yeah. he goes up two with. 0.7 seconds
1: left i can't believe they let him go baseline like that i mean there was nobody there he just had that wide open lane yeah
0: i mean they rotated well i thought the second guy up um i think it was uh deruji i thought yeah. he was gonna get the block they got there pretty quickly yeah.
1: but i can't believe it was ever that lane was that big right. at any point
0: yeah i think they were just playing at, pence and got the clock down so low it was like okay surely he's gonna Gotta be the shoot. one to drive
1: yeah or drive and he got it to drew and drew made a play sometimes i wonder why in these late game c- scenarios we don't rely on drew a little bit more than we have but yeah because um, sometimes a I lot of times like it's
0: just like get it to pence and let him do his thing
1: right so
0: so which uh, Penson has been pretty clutch at yeah. times this year too. I so. think maybe they there was a little bit of a diversion or maybe it was up to Penson in that moment to kind of see what the defense gave him. Yep. And he definitely if it was up to him, he definitely made the right decision. Yep. We Passed just off to Drew.
1: historically haven't been on the right end of those very often it seems like recently and man, it just felt so good to uh not have to go to overtime, just win it right there in regulation and do everything correctly, you know, uh, really execute and uh, not leave much time on the clock I mean, just everything was perfect about that and that just uh, it seems like i can count on one hand how many times that's happened in my lifetime <laughs> with a missouri yeah. basketball game
0: yeah i mean it wasn't a three-pointer but it goes right up there with the some of the biggest shots in the last you yeah. know five years we've got like jordan geist against ucf kevin Perrier um in the sec tournament and against mississippi state you know those type of things this drive and bucket from drew smith is right up there
1: it's probably bigger because the game actually really meant something yeah and uh it was just really good this year so yeah
0: uh drew had just like a classic drew smith game 17 points nine assists six
1: steals did you see um that segment in the game where they were talking about um like the the i can't remember his name the play-by-play guy was kind of talking about his like sec players of the year candidates Mm -hmm. like he was picking his his mm-hmm. team and like his player of the year was Herb Jones mm-hmm. from Alabama. And then it put up Herb Jones stats with Drew Smith and like all categories. Drew had better statistics. They
0: didn't, I don't think they put up rebounds. No, though, they didn't. Yeah, it, it was, was like
1: points, assists and steals. steals. Yeah. yeah.
0: And Drew had him on all three of those. I yeah. was kind of shocked that, cause yeah, that's been kind of, I mean, Herb Jones is like, f- yeah, he's the player of the year. I
1: definitely thought that he was scoring more than that. Yeah. He was like averaging 11 points a right. game. And so. Drew's up
0: over 13. Mm-hmm. So, yeah i was a little bit surprised by that yeah i don't think
1: herb, jo- herb jones is a, is a bad yeah. pick but it was just yeah. like oh wow that's actually pretty staggering like yeah. how good drew smith's uh yeah. stats have been now, this year. maybe
0: jones is averaging like 12 rebounds a game apparently and that would like really swing it which and his team and their team's know, good like pretty much unstoppable in sec play but we stopped him uh what else we got here mitchell smith huge game yeah like Huge. Biggest of his career yeah. easily. Career high, fourteen points, two for three from three, four for five from the free throw line. Um six rebounds. He I mean
1: Man, I <laughs> I know it's really easy to say this now after the game he had, but I mean I don't understand why he just gets so much hate on Twitter sometimes about shooting threes. Like, I know he's not a good three point shooter. I know that he doesn't normally uh, make 66% of his 3 point shots. I understand that, but you know, if in the in the long in the long game, when you really look at it like a season outlook, I have no problem whatsoever with Mitch Smith putting up three or four threes a game because I mean, he he can make them on somewhat consistent basis, but it just the fact that he will shoot it, I think just sends a message to the defense that we have to, we have to step out and guard him and it just it forces the defense to be stretched. And I'm totally fine with Mitch Smith throwing up a few threes. And honestly, he's probably shot as well as a lot of other guards on Missouri's team, at least in certain stretches of this season. So, and I I don't know if it's if it's just because he's a big guy and his shots a little bit ugly, but he just I think he's drawn a little bit too much criticism this year for his three point shooting. And I'm I'm so happy that um, he had a a kind of a a breakout game and and he he kind of won the game for us, honestly yeah
0: in his career as a missouri tiger he is shooting 31 percent from
1: three he's a great free throw shooter too which well, has nothing to do with three-point shooting but i just i think he gets a little disrespected sometimes
0: well uh when he goes two for three in such a huge spot i mean yeah that's and when he is making them i mean i kind of compare it to uh who's the guy for arkansas uh Vanover, like, <laughs> Like, when he's missing, it's like, oh, yeah, like, take all the threes you want. Yeah, I mean,
1: I don't want Mitch Smith taking nine threes like Vanover did that first time they played, but, but yeah, I mean. Yeah.
0: No, I completely agree with you. Um, Penson, he's become potentially the best three-point shooter on the team all of a sudden. It's so bizarre, like, how
1: his game has changed.
0: Although, sometimes he'll go, like, in this game, he was four for seven from three, and he'll potentially against LSU go one for seven. Yeah. Like all of his points,
1: all of his points were from three. Yeah. Which is completely opposite of what I feel like he did at the beginning of the season. He
0: had that super clutch drive where he kind of knifed through there and got a a tough layup to go. Yeah. But yeah, the rest of his points were from three. Yeah. Uh, Tillman with 12 points, Mark Smith with 11. He was really key to Missouri kind of getting things in gear early when they got down seven Oh to start. Um, but Five guys in double figures, and that's exactly where you need to be, that balanced attack with points coming in the paint as well as uh, three-point land. Can't ask for much more than that. The team shot 49% from two, 41% from three, and uh, 11 offensive rebounds to Florida's four. So we talked about those extra possessions from steals and turnovers, but um, those offensive rebounds helped as well.
1: I thought it was kind of funny how the I don't remember her name, um, but Debbie. Debbie. Uh, I don't she was her last name. really talking about talking up Kobe Brown in this game yeah. last night, and and she was she's a big fan of him and just how hard he plays and everything and. He really kind of had an off night for the most part. Didn't really. He was pretty quiet. But, Only played eleven minutes. Yeah, but she, uh, kind of brought him up at, at the end of the game, like, all right, maybe Kobe Brown will yeah. have something go his way or whatever. And she literally there. right <laughs> after she said that, Kobe Brown like got a huge offensive rebound. It was like an air ball. Air ball from Mark Smith. And yeah. he just caught it and then put it right, put it yeah. up. And then I think on the the next possession on defense, he got a big rebound or something like that. So he had two back to back huge plays, like right when she brought him up.
0: Yeah, Missouri had some defensive possessions where they just looked incredible like just flying around the floor obviously all those steals yeah. always look good they even
1: had some great defensive possessions where florida scored at exactly. the very end of the yeah. buzzer and it was like oh yeah. that kind of sucks but right still they, they they played good defense
0: i think if if uh, if you go back in time florida has to want trey man to shoot more than 11 times yeah like keep shooting until you miss keep getting to to the rim Uh, He did end up with 21 points. Uh, Anthony DeRuji, he he had 11 rebounds, which was uh, basically the only guy for Florida making a dent on the boards. But he also made a dent in the rim when he jammed it on Mitchell Smith.
1: That was a great dunk. That was remarkable. Probably the best one I've seen this season.
0: That was incredible. And they showed the replay later in the game. From a couple different angles and that was something else
1: i yeah that was one of the better ones i've seen in a while yeah he also put a dent in mark smith and got got a flagrant foul for it yeah
0: um (laughs) i thought i thought overall the officiating was pretty solid um i think that tillman got called for two fouls that were questionable the one that they reviewed i thought I was kind of rolling my eyes that yeah, I was, that was prepared. even a foul at all, but you kind of know what you're getting into with that. Um,
1: didn't the, they were like saying that the Florida guy flopped on that. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even the
0: announcers were like, that should be a flop warning yeah. at least. Um, then one later in the game where I think it was Trey Mann, like got, he like jumped into Tillman and it's like, okay, what is Tillman supposed to do there? But I kind of understand. I thought the refs did a really good job officiating the paint for the most part. Um, both teams were getting away with a lot on the perimeter I mm. thought and Florida in particular when they would hedge the ball screen they were just kind of like riding the guy towards the sideline with their body mm-hmm. when I thought that could have easily been that has been called a blocking foul plenty of times this season but yeah. um Drew Smith is so good at you know sometimes he is a little bit over aggressive and then has to back off but when the when the refs are letting him play he is just he's so good at Getting away with stuff and playing physical defense. Yeah, when when they're not calling a lot of fouls, Drew Smith is at his best.
1: Yeah, they were really letting him play in the first half, especially. But yeah. yeah, I don't know about that flagrant foul that was uh, on on oh, Mark. Yeah. That was probably yeah. not a great call. No, I mean, he didn't really make. He in like, the ball, I guess, right. but he definitely he, like, th- bumped him in the there air. There wasn't enough contact. I think yeah. Mark really sold it with the like double barrel roll he did on the ground. Yeah, and just like <laughs> fell
0: awkwardly, obviously. Yeah. But if he wasn't trying to draw the foul, you know, if he's playing pickup, he's not falling like that. No, because you're not going to get free throws in pickup. Um, Florida turned the ball over 18 times, uh, 15 of those in the first half. <laughs> just nuts. Uh, Noah Locke was three for six from three. Uh, another guy, like, if you're 50%, you want him shooting 10 threes. Like, I just don't understand. What they turned the ball over too many times.
1: If uh, if Florida just makes the NCAA tournament as, like, an eight seed and they lose in the first round, is Mike White on the hot seat, you think?
0: I would have maybe thought maybe. However, they said something in the broadcast that was quite interesting that Florida hasn't had a losing sec record under mike white and it even goes back to before him but um
1: i don't know yeah That's, i don't know they lose their best player they still yeah. are gonna get a double by in the sec tournament i think they'll be okay his seat might yeah. be warm but he's not getting fired after this season no
0: yeah you losing keontae johnson was just terrible for that team yeah uh mizzou now after the win is 15 and 7 overall 8 and 7 in conference uh, number 43 in kim Pom as of today 36th on offense 61st on defense seeing those numbers just drift apart little by little over the course of the season um, they're eighth in both offense and defense defensive efficiency in sec play so not You'd probably like to be a little bit higher in one or both of those, but you'll win You'll win plenty of games if you're middle of the pack in both. Anything else you want to talk about about this Florida game?
1: I think we covered it pretty good.
0: We're on to LSU then. The final regular season game of the season. Man, it flies by. It really does. It's against LSU. It's home. Uh, senior night festivities will happen after the game. LSU is 15 and eight, 10 and six in conference, 29th in Kempom, seventh in the country in offensive efficiency, 127th on defense, first in the SEC on offense, ninth in defense, obviously very good offensive team. Uh, they've got some names you're familiar with Javante smart, Darius days, Trenton Watford, but most importantly, they've got this freshman guard named Cam Thomas. Um, We're quite familiar with him. We saw him play in the Bass Pro Tournament of Champions. He led Oak Hill to a championship. He was tournament MVP. And I think I don't really understand why he's not getting more love for SEC Player of the Year. And I think maybe it's kind of, it's a little bit trendy, I think, to only give it to a freshman if they just, if there's just no question. Yeah. I think if Cam Thomas is having this kind of season as a junior...
1: Or and, if LSU is inf- running away with the SEC. Right,
0: yeah. Flip Alabama and LSU in the standings, Yeah, um, then I think he's the frontrunner for that award.
1: Isn't Javante smart? Uh, he got a pretty strong offer to play yeah. at uh, LSU, I believe.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Will Wade's still around, still coaching the LSU Tigers. Um, <laughs> Very he, strong offer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he He's not the only one. I mean, like, nobody... Yeah, everybody still has their job. Yeah, I some assistants got uh, joke. show cause, but yeah, um, yeah, Javante Smart, he
1: he got that offer. And yeah, I can only imagine how strong some of the other offers are if uh, Javante Smart got a strong offer. Yeah, he's good though. He I mean, he's good, but he's not Cam Thomas either. No,
0: uh, Thomas is averaging just under twenty three points per game. Jeez, that's that's a lot for a college player. Um, LSU, they they just kind of wear defenses down. I mean, they just have so many guys that can score. And they, I mean, obviously, seventh in the nation in offensive efficiency. They just kind of do everything well. They don't jump off the page in one particular area, but they just really don't have a weakness on offense. They, they probably shoot a little they probably shoot too many threes for how many they make but it hasn't really been an issue for them i mean they've just thomas is a a volume scorer so he's not he's not blowing you away he's shooting 31 percent from three on 170 attempts yeah he's gonna he's
1: gonna shoot eight to ten threes probably yeah
0: he's not the most efficient scorer but he gets to the free throw line enough to balance things out and he's an excellent free throw shooter so that part doesn't really matter. And Javante Smart is shooting 45% on 130 attempts. So,
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: He's kind of the go-to guy for shooting threes. And their, their big guys, um, Days and Watford, are versatile. They can, all three of those, all four guys in that starting lineup there that we've mentioned can guard multiple positions. And they can be matchup issues on the offensive end. And their whole offensive strategy is um, some ISO with with Thomas, but then it's just finding mismatches, trying to get guys um, with defenders that can't handle them and take advantage. So it'll be really interesting for Missouri's defense. I think they'll just try to switch everything like they have been doing against everybody. And some of those switches will result in mismatches. And I don't know if Missouri will be ready to throw double teams at, at guys.
1: They don't really do that a whole lot. So Yeah, this may be a game we see a lot of Mitch Smith and Jeremiah Tillman. Uh, I'm not sure we see a whole lot of Parker Brown in this game. Um Yeah, they're just so well rounded. They don't they really don't have a weakness on offense. And we I think we're just gonna have to hope that they don't get hot. Even you know, I, I feel confident in our perimeter defense, but Sometimes this year it just feels like we can we we can close out as as well as we want, and it just sometimes just keeps going keeps going in. You know, Uh, we've we've had a a few games like that where the other team has just been just been hot, and you think they're gonna cool off eventually, and they don't. So, uh, if we run into one of those situations, there's I I don't know that Missouri can keep up.
0: Yeah, one thing Missouri can do is create extra possessions by crashing the offensive glass, and that's one area of weakness um for LSU's defense mm-hmm. is they do give up quite a few offensive rebounds
1: and it was the only reason they were in it against Florida
0: exactly so um i think Missouri could uh maybe flex their muscles a little bit on the interior on offense um i think smart is a is a very good defender on the perimeter i think thomas he gets some steals but i think there are a lot of like the kind of risky gambling type steals um, and it can create some rotation issues uh, on the defensive end for LSU so uh, Missouri's shown they're totally capable of swinging the ball around the perimeter and um, driving when they have the opportunity that's something that Mark Smith's been doing better and better as the season goes on is um, giving them that shot fake and driving and then kicking it back out.
1: Yeah, I, I actually do think that that's a good point. Um, Mark Smith I think has developed that side of his game a little bit. Has shown that he can drive and can move around with the ball in his hands, and so he's not just gonna he's not just gonna stand still and shoot threes yeah. all day, which is I think what he was doing at the beginning of the year, and that's why he became a little bit stagnant is because teams knew what to do how to how to guard him, and, and so now that he's developed that side of his game, I think it's really opened up the three for him.
0: You could tell he started driving more, uh, you know towards the beginning of conference play this season, but he was always driving to score and he was literally just getting a shot blocked. You know, I mean, it seemed like 80% of the time. (laughs) And so he has added like to his credit, he has added another wrinkle of no understanding unless I have a wide open, you know, trip to the basket I need to find something else to do with the ball other than go up with it because um, he had one, a couple nice layups in the Florida game, but um, more, I was more impressed with his ability to be looking for someone to dish the ball to uh, when he drove because it's been an adventure sometimes with him when he drives to the basket. <laughs> um, I was looking over LSU's kind of their season so far. Um, it's kind of mixed. They, they split with Arkansas and their win – against Arkansas was when Arkansas was without Justin Smith. Uh, LSU also beat Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. That's about, I mean, those are their best wins on their schedule. They obviously lost one to Arkansas, lost to Alabama twice, lost to Florida, lost to Georgia and Kentucky, and they also lost to St. Louis in their non-conference season. So, not the best resume i mean that's why they're sitting you know in third in the sec standings and are looking at potentially a worse ncaa tournament seed than missouri i mean this game might determine which one has the better seed uh for the big dance
1: yeah they definitely do not have even close to the resume that missouri has but they've just been a little bit more consistent they just have kind of won the games they're supposed to win as missouri, as we know missouri hasn't really been able to do all the time
0: well they did get to play vanderbilt so that helps yeah. um that that would literally if you take vanderbilt I off know. their schedule then they're nine and six yeah and if they lose to missouri then they'd have the same record
1: that is unfortunate a little bit for the sec standings conversation that missouri did not get to play vanderbilt or texas a&m a and a 2nd time and i mean i'm assuming they win both of those games it's yeah. possible they don't but uh if missouri plays both of those games as scheduled and wins them both like they probably would then we're probably looking at a double buy potentially but that's what, how it goes
0: what are you thinking on this LSU game? Um, I, uh, you're riding high off of that you, you know, road win.
1: When, we previewed this game when it didn't happen. Uh, oh, I yeah. I thought Mizzou was going to win then, and I think they're going to win now. That's um, what I like to hear. I I just think that LSU's defense is just a little bit too suspect at times. I think Mizzou's going to find a way to take advantage of it. Uh, I think we'll see LSU go on their runs. I mean, they I, they absolutely have the have the tendency to do that, but their defense is. Just hasn't been, I don't know. It hasn't been super consistent. It's not great. No, I think a Missouri's uh, a disciplined team at times. If 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 Missouri shows up with their with their experienced disciplined selves, um, limit turnovers, I think they'll find a way to win. And it'll be 77-72.
0: That sounds fantastic. Um, this is this is the kind of game where. It almost seems like Missouri's not good enough on offense to take advantage of just an average defense. And they have shown that they can struggle on defense, and LSU is just incredible on offense. So it's like potentially... A matchup issue for Missouri Um, like like maybe the polar opposite of Ole Miss like Ole Miss just like shut Missouri down and scored enough to get by and I feel like LSU could maybe be the opposite where they're gonna put up points no matter what and Missouri's offense is gonna have to come alive and keep them in the game
1: kind of like at Alabama
0: yeah yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Missouri did not have any trouble against Alabama. Man, if they could come out and play like that
1: minus the last 4 minutes, I would take it. If it's a win. Oh, sure, yeah. Um
0: Yeah, I don't know. Missouri, I feel like I've been I've just picked every game wrong this season. It's just like <laughs> how I feel in my head because
1: well, Missouri's been unpredictable. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like I'm always just basing it off of the previous game, and oh, man. Can Missouri win two games in a row? They did back, you know, at the beginning of February. That feels like a year ago. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Missouri to win. Nice. I just don't feel good about it. How do I feel good about any game?
1: You didn't think they were beating Florida? No. No. Backs are against the wall. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you gotta the, one last opportunity. One to, last uh, home game. Yeah. Well, yeah, I gotta put the seniors out on a winning note in front of the fans. Yeah, I'd say Missouri wins this one, but I'm it's gonna be just as close as this Florida game was. Like Probably uh, Missouri
1: only wins close games. That's all they do. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, even when they have big leads. Literally like, oh, well, we better make they close.
1: literally do not beat anybody by more than like ten points.
0: Um Missouri wins 80 to 79. Wow, that's that's close. Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) If Missouri wins this game, five seed in the SEC tournament, which is narrowly avoiding the double bye, but that's still getting a pretty good matchup because you're going to play whoever was in the play-in game. You're probably you're going to play Vanderbilt or or A and M. Love it. Love it. Um, And then you'll play.
0: I'll tell you. The four seed.
1: Yeah. The four, you'll play whoever the four seed is, so LSU probably. Probably. Again. Which I'll take that. Yeah. And uh Then you get
0: Arkansas. You don't have to play the one, right?
1: Uh I think you do play the yeah, one. Yeah, you'd play the one if you oh, beat the four the next round. But hey, well, We already beat one. once. Well, we can do it again. And uh <laughs> if Missouri loses this game, they can either be the they they can be the five seed if they win and the, or they can be the seven or the eight seed depending on other stuff in the league, but Man, I'm sitting over here just like crunching numbers for the last like 20 Minutes and kind of just rattles off and exactly everything I figured out. I just out. could have already told you, I like, man, uh, learned my lesson. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's most likely a five or seven. And then if there's a couple of upsets, I can't remember who it is specifically, but uh, eight seeds always also in play
0: doesn't matter. Gotta win that first game, you have mm. to. That's and so I would
1: much rather play Vanderbilt and A&M than like Georgia or Mississippi State. Yeah, that's if Missouri's the eight seed, they're behind both Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I believe. Which seems crazy, yeah. That they're gonna they're gonna have a higher seed in the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, behind teams that they lost to. (laughs) Who'd have (laughs)
1: thought? It's wild. Find those indestructible (laughs) Mississippi teams.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be so weird when. Yeah, are are both of those teams making the NCAA tournament?
1: Absolutely not.
0: That's so bizarre. Uh, oh well, um, yeah. We, I was. I said we need to talk about SEC tournament seeding. We just covered that. There you go. Let's talk about that big dance. Talk about it. Uh, this morning, Joel already updated his bracketology, and he has Missouri as an eight seed. Still, that's BS. Not still. They, he did have them as a nine, I guess. I guess because it's got a little up arrow next to them. I knew they were in the eight-nine matchup. I didn't know which one he specified, but
1: you know, I I know Missouri's had their struggles, but that seems a little low to me. Okay, Jerry so Palm's got him as a five. That's nuts. That, which seems that that's a little too high, probably.
0: Yeah, I feel like, well, you know, pessimistic Mizzou fan in me says they're closer to an eight than a five.
1: That resume, though.
0: Yeah, it is kind of nuts. Like they, like right now, Illinois is sitting at a one seed, maybe. Yeah. And they m- definitely are. Missouri beat them. Missouri beat Alabama, who is scheduled to be a two seed, at worst, I think. Um. They beat Arkansas, who is like flying three up the the board. seed, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, what uh, what what is what is Bart Barty boy Bart Torvik have him at? He's got them as a seven right now. That feels appropriate.
1: Yeah, I, I would put him at more a six or seven level. But if Missouri wins against LSU, they get the five seed. They beat whoever, and then they beat LSU again and then lose. So they make it to the semis and lose. I, I I absolutely think we're looking at a five or six seed.
0: I say six or seven. Would love a five, but I don't want to plan on it. Six I just or think seven.
1: there's a lot of teams in that kind of mid-range level that have kind of been faltering a little bit. And yeah, I mean, with a little
0: help, they could easily... Yeah, jump a few teams,
1: and just knowing who the selection committee is and and what criteria they've uh, made their decision on earlier the season when they did the little bracket reveal, I know that they think favorably of Missouri. That was obviously some things have happened since then. Yeah, but, but nothing, I wouldn't have nothing expected them. I'm not sure I would have expected them to be a four seed at that point in the season right. either, though. So, right. uh, I think they think favorably of Missouri. We know that they're looking at resume. They're they're not looking at analytics as much as we would probably hope well actually it's probably a good thing they're not looking at analytics but
0: um auburn's gonna end up being a worse loss yeah than mississippi state or Ole Miss.
1: yeah we actually it's gonna be interesting because Ole miss i mean excuse me lsu is right on that quadrant one line and i think they're like 28 right now which is if missouri wins that it has to be a top 30 mm-hmm. uh, win to count as a quadrant one at home so we really I don't know, it's kind of weird. We yeah. have to we have to root for LSU, but <laughs> we have to beat them also. So,
0: well, um is this this is LSU's final game as well, I assume? Yeah. They got to play Vanderbilt. That's We all, we
1: kind of need to avoid LSU in the SEC tournament and hope, and hope they win their game. They need to against, win a couple games. Yep. Yep. But Oregon and Wichita State have have been really good for us though. Yes. They, they are solidly quad one wins right now. Liberty as well. They're going to win their... Uh, they're going to be in the tournament.
0: They will be. Yeah. Well, they they have to win the tournament. Yeah, tournament. but they're going they're going to they're gonna run away with that. They're not going to be quad one though. No, 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 uh, Just I'm just thinking overall resume. They've got there's there's going to be plenty of tournament teams that Missouri has. Beat. Missouri's
1: been great against teams that are that will be in the field. Yeah. And yeah, like how often can you say
0: that you've beaten you know, top three seeds? You know, a one, a two, and a three. Like never. Yeah.
1: Not many teams can
0: say that this year at all. Or, like, any given year. That's uncommon. Um, Do you you have anything you want to say just about, like, obviously Selection Sunday. We're going to have another episode between now and Selection Sunday, so maybe we can save it. But there's just something special. Uh, Mizzou being involved, I I literally was just thinking about Selection Sunday, and I got, like, butterflies because – Selection Sunday is cool
1: it, on its own. It gives me the goosebumps when Missouri is way out of it. When they're when they have a postseason ban. When they're Kim Anderson coach team, yeah. I it's like one of my favorite things ever. And then now, if when Missouri's relevant, yeah, which is hasn't been all that much recently. Right. It's kind of the double whammy. Yep. You see that seeing that tiger
0: logo flip on CBS and get on that bracket and
1: just knowing that we're not on the bubble oh man that's oh, gonna be yeah. so nice I remember the a couple of years ago when we were on the bubble yeah it was just like I don't know so nerve-wracking yep. yeah but just we can be we can just be chill and just all we're worried about is who we're playing and what seed we are
0: you can fill out that that ceremonial bracket
1: where you have Mizzou winning the whole thing mm. maybe they play Kansas in the championship game <laughs> on Jerry Palms bracket uh, they were the five seed, and their next game was going to be against, assuming no upsets, four yeah. seed of Kansas, and the one seed in that region was Illinois. <laughs> oh, my
0: god!
1: Oh. Okay, he's just trolling. He I probably mean, is. Like, he's just like, I don't know. That's that's too, too good to be true. Yeah, that would be
0: incredible, though. <laughs> Holy cow.
1: Imagine playing Kansas in the NCAA tournament. I would die. After him. they didn't want to play. Exactly. Ooh. After Bill Self backed out. Storyline. Yeah. Fire
0: yeah. him up i would die i would i I don't think i could (laughs) live you can't die cam i would that's that's all there is to it (laughs) it's a good thing (laughs) oh my gosh that
1: all the fun for this week i think that's all i got for him
0: i think there's there's more fun to be had more fun to be had we got good times ahead no matter what happens in this lsu game we've got an entire sec tournament that has to happen and then we got that big dance
1: hmm all right, everybody. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Pod at gmail.com. You can find our T-shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri missourisportspod.bigcartel.com.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.